Hello and welcome to episode 126 of the NFL Scotland podcast. The Thanksgiving games are done. Well, actually, no, they're not because we've still got one to come. That's coming up shortly. My name is Cameron Hobbs. My name is Paul Mitchell. We've not been forced to move the venue of this particular podcast, which we're grateful for, despite having a 49ers fan around. And there might be the odd complaint from a very special Raven. All that to come here on the NFL Scotland podcast. (laughs) Very special Raven. Gordon McGuinness joining us for this one. We had to get you on, Gordon. As we record, we're about an hour and a half away from kickoff, I think, um, in Pittsburgh. Snowy, snowy Pittsburgh, where the Ravens are going to go in full strength and come away with a win over the unbeaten and magnificent Pittsburgh Steelers, are they not? They're only missing... Roughly about half the roster. Oh, it's only half. This... Outside of that, it's fine. <laughs> How many of the coaches? Uh, there are two coaches down as well. Two coaches as well. Right, okay, fine. Well, three. No, three, because the strength and conditioning coach is definitely out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> little asterisk next to that one <laughs> uh, right I think we give you the floor first of all because um, you've obviously got some thoughts on this one It's it's been an interesting week we've seen a lot of things happening this is obviously the probably the biggest headline you know the, the fact that there was a, a, a wide receiver up against a tight end in Denver um, quarterback to quarterbacks obviously something we'll touch on soon as well as Mr. Mitchell's writing in his notebook I think that's a black mark that's me That's me being eliminated from the Christmas card list as I speak um, there's also a, a new home in, uh, for San Francisco and it's, it's almost as far away from San Francisco as the current stadium is but uh, maybe just a little bit further so we'll, we'll touch on that one as well but the Raven Steelers has been messy it's been messy, this whole situation, and I think that this is the first time this season this has got really quite bad. Um, what's your thoughts on the situation? The NFL have flirted with us all season. There was the thing that happened with Tennessee, and, you know, the, the, the moving around of the Tennessee game earlier in the year, people don't really think too much about because we had the benefit of bye weeks. So when that happened, they moved the Ravens' bye week to accommodate Ravens Steelers, uh, sorry, Titans Steelers being played. Uh, they swapped the Ravens and Steelers by weeks and the Titans and Steelers by weeks around as well, so that that moved Ravens Steelers to a week earlier. All that stuff all got all got shaken around and moved. And there's been numerous times where games have been, you know, the, the 49ers Packers game was one of those. Oh, we're actually going to play this. How many players are out? All this, um, and it got to the point with this game whereby the NFL has they've all agreed that Week 18 can exist, and. As much as they've agreed that, the fact that this is a game whereby there was a clear outbreak within a within a roster, and that still wasn't enough for them to say, okay, we're gonna go to week 18. To the point that there's two there's two damning points which tells you the NFL is not playing week 18, unless something more drastic than this, and I'm not sure how we get more drastic than this, happens. There's not gonna be a week 18 in the NFL. Point number one, uh, Adam Schefter tweeted out that uh, Marquise Pouncey, the Steelers' starting centre, is now on the COVID-slash-reserve list for the Steelers. Three minutes later, Adam Schefter tweeted out, game on between the Ravens and Steelers. It's like a three-minute gap between another player, <laughs> another starter going out, a starter who... So so the Steelers now have Big Ben's centre and his quarterback coach on who have COVID or on the COVID list. Big Ben's somehow not a close contact for that because we're just going to push forward and play this. Now, the other thing which says, why, you know, there's never going to be a Week 18, the NFL has moved this game back seven days, six days to avoid adding a final week at the end of the season They've basically just added a week here. Everything is going to be the the only reason, the only way we'll get a week 18 now is if it gets to the point that they cannot fudge the schedule anymore. And I think they're quite content to make teams play twice in four days if they really have to to make it happen. I've got some sympathy for the NFL. It's not an easy gig they've got trying to make all this happen, and they don't want to upset things. Unlike college, you just simply cannot wipe out the game and say that you'll continue with a lesser schedule. So I do have some sympathy for them. But in this case, I mean, given the fact that the outbreak was so big, um, it wasn't the fault of the Baltimore Ravens per se. It was the fault of one individual. And that's all it takes for this disease to spread. 
So I think a little bit of common sense was needed. We've not seen any. Um, NBC have obviously wanted the game as well because potentially it will draw big. Um, but it won't draw as big apparently as the tree lighting ceremony from the middle of New York, which is why it's kicking off at half four and not later. So that that is it's all slightly bizarre. It is very 2020. But I'm, I want to take issue, and it is a slightly different thing, I, I, I grant you, but I want to take issue with the Broncos Saints game because having all four quarterbacks out. Now, there's a couple of teams that have got a spare quarterback that is off-site that's having nothing to do with the team apart from taking Zoom meetings and practising. Now, quite why all teams haven't done that is beyond me. I mean, that it just it's the most sensible, easy thing to do um, because this could happen. It can take out your whole room. So I think that's that's dumb. But if I'd gone to the States and paid money to watch the Broncos Saints and got that product, I would have been absolutely livid. It was a pre-season friendly in which one of the teams wasn't taking it seriously and the other one was Denver. <laughs> it's, I, I mean, it, it's that I, we said in the NFL Scotland group chat, I said that very early on, it's, it's insane this game is being played. And I think all jokes aside, you know, it was a nice story for the guy who was a practice squad player, got to go and start a game at quarterback. It was dreadful to the point that it was actually probably dangerous. Your point about... The Saints probably didn't really try as hard. I think it's absolutely accurate. I think the Broncos probably didn't try as hard because, again, you're in a you're effectively in like an exhibition game type thing, and we know that there's a good chance that injuries can happen in those situations because if trained athletes are going at 80, 90 percent instead of 100 percent throughout an entire game, that's when you know little mistakes and little things happen. And just to to decide that it was worthwhile playing that game. When you've agreed that week 18 can happen, you've already got another game that's causing you problems this week. Surely the common sense thing to have done at that point would have been, let's pause this, let's take these two games, let's put them in week 18. Okay, we've now accepted that that's a possibility. And if we have to do it, we can do it. I wondered, with Denver, there's the situation, and I think that they weren't able to go and pick up a quarterback because of the COVID rules and you need to wait a certain period of time. But... Could you not have just tested them every day, like picked in a quarterback? So, you know, you look at the list of people that are available at the moment, right? Fine. These guys haven't played for this season, so it's been a while since they've snapped the ball. You still got to imagine that any of these names would be better than, a, you know, a wide receiver on the practice squad. But Drew Anderson, Drew Stanton uh, are two that are on the top of the list. Jordan Tamu obviously was playing um, not that long ago. Um Looking down the line, Cody Kessler's still available. Uh, even Paxton Lynch kind of knows that area, and maybe maybe he wouldn't want to go back in. But could there not have been some kind of pragmatism around allowing Denver the opportunity to go and get a free agent, test the hell out of him every single day and make sure that that person was clean? Or was there just not enough time to achieve that? But they had two coaches they could have played. You know, Justin Roscati and Rob Calabrese, both were college quarterbacks, both were know the system, both know what's going on, they're in your building, they're within your protocols. Yeah, they know Just your playbook. Play they know your playbook, yeah. I mean, that was ridiculous. Now, Kendall Hilton, you know, kudos to him for trying, but my God, it looked like me playing at quarterback. He had no <laughs> chance. I mean, it really was, it was a horrible thing to watch. Now, these two guys obviously play, you know, play quarterback, they're practicing with the ball, they're throwing every day, they're involved. They would have been a much better option. Now, they made that a non-game, an absolute non-game. There was not a chance in hell the Saints were going to lose that game. I mean, hell, the Jets couldn't have lost that game. And that everything that the NFL stands for, the quality, the tradition, you know, the, the ethos was, was lost in there. And, you know, if we want to talk about ball bags, the NFL deserved that. It was just awful. I mean, it was car crash television. Yeah, coming back briefly to the Ravens-Steelers one, Gordon, would you rather have had this game forfeited? Would that have been That's a better yeah. yeah. Well, so the point that they've got to today and they're playing it, fine, go ahead and play it. The, the outbreak appears to now be contained. But at the point last week, so tomorrow night the Ravens were due to play the Cowboys. If you'd just given the Ravens a forfeit um, back then, the, the problem with the forfeit is that Apparently, there's language in the CBA which suggests if the game's forfeited, 
players just don't get paid. So you then put the onus on two individual owners to have to stump up the cash. You then get problems of people being like, well, this was the Ravens' fault, so they have to pay, et cetera, et cetera. And as we've seen with the Steelers now, you know, they've got two or three players and coaches that have caught it. There's there's a global pandemic. There's a disease that's ravaged and killed hundreds of thousands of people. Like there, there is there has been a, a lack of empathy and a lack of perspective, I think, in a lot of people's um, eyes this week, to the point that loads of people were um, very quick to point out that, oh, um, and, and I think it was someone from NFL Network, um, Aditi Kinkabala, I think her name is, is an NFL Network reporter from Pittsburgh, tweeted out that, well, you know, this game tonight, the Ravens now, uh, Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins are eligible to come off the COVID list. They've had coronavirus. They haven't practiced in nine days. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a clear lack of pers- perspective to tweet that out and the knowledge that, so the Ravens have had three players come off the COVID list who I think had tested positive. It's the two running backs and Brandon Williams. Neither, none of the three of them are playing tonight because they've had it or they had other injuries or they hadn't you know, been remotely near conditioning for nine days. So things like that have just been frustrating to see. I agree, but I mean, there's a difference between being quarantined and not being able to practice and actually having had COVID. Now, I've said on the podcast before, I believe I've had this back in March. There was no way. I mean, it took, you know, I I was fine within about 10 days. I described fine. I wasn't leaving the house and I wasn't being forced to play in an NFL game. You know, I wasn't running around the block or anything like that. It is, you know, it does debilitate you. There's no doubt about it. Now, Arguably, there's there's a very little risk to life, but that really shouldn't be the NFL's top priority here. So, well, actually not a great risk to life. It should be the whole package of looking after people and looking after players. I think they're tone deaf, and I think they've got this absolutely wrong. Yeah. Uh, Gordon, how do you see the game going tonight? Now, by the time this goes out, it'll already have happened, so you know we'll be able to throw this back at you pretty quickly. I, I mean, if the Ravens keep this within three touchdowns, I think they're doing a good job. There's, they're missing their starting quarterback. They're missing, so they're already missing their starting left tackle. So the starting right tackle is now at left. They're missing two, maybe three centers. They're missing a guard. Uh, they're missing two or three defensive linemen. They're missing an edge guy. the The only position on this roster that hasn't had any impact is the defensive backfield, which that's a blessing because that's one of the few things you know that they have going for them. But even then, Marlon Humphrey's someone, and this is. I am not going to speculate that Marlon Humphrey had coronavirus and it caused his performance to drop um, as like a definitive, this is scientific proof. Since he came back from having COVID, he's not played well. Um, and that's a three-game sample size, so that could just be he's a cornerback. They have three three bad games. But it might be that you know he had symptoms and it's taken him three weeks to a month to get back up to speed. So that there's realistically no way that they win this game um, just down as much as they are. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because, as you said, Paul, there is there is this unknown effect that it will have on players, it will have on people. Like you say, at the age the age group and the health quality, the, the, the risk of yeah fatality is definitely low in this group. Um, but that that is almost not the point here. It is about containing the spread. It's about the impact beyond that. It's the knock-on effect. And it is that long-term and lasting effect to, to this as well. You know, even take COVID out of this, right? Even before COVID, you, you take something that is much more common like the flu. Uh, and even something like that can have a wide range of impacts on people. And I mean, I know myself, I've had flus that are with you for months. Uh, and this is this is something that's definitely a level up from that. So, you know, we really don't know the impact this is going to have on people. And, um, yeah, it, it, it doesn't feel like it's been particularly well managed. Uh, and, 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 yeah. And then you look at the other side of caution. So it takes us on to the other part of this story, which is obviously San Francisco. So it's, you know, the... the, the the county of Santa Clara have been extremely cautious, and they have said that there will be no professional sports in the in the county for three uh, three full weeks. Meaning that San Francisco have had to up sticks and move on. Now, I believe that San Diego, the mayor of San Diego, got in touch and said, "Hey, there's a stadium going here. Nobody in it. You fancy a wee trip to San Diego, which would have been quite nice." But in the end, we've ended up opting for Phoenix, uh, Glendale and heading out to share with the Cardinals, which means that some jigging is going to need to take place because games were due to take place at the same time and all that. 
fine. Uh, a massive inconvenience. I think there's been a lot of noise out of the 49ers because obviously they've made the move out to that area. They feel that they've not had the backing from the area. I guess that area's got to decide themselves, you know, they either apply their rules to everybody or they make exceptions. And I, I get that it's a difficult situation. So um, I don't live there. You're very, ta- you're very I, tactful. Well, do you know, I, I don't live tactful. there. I don't live there. So I can't make a judgment on it. I don't know how bad it is. I don't know I, any I, of that. I've, so. I've looked at this. This is Californian ball baggery. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, they did say there was three weeks of non-contact sports. I thought you guys would have been okay. Um, <laughs> but no, th- this is ball bag. I mean, I just think this is this is dumb. Um, I think you know I'm all for being cautious. I'm all for looking after things. You know, different. You know, we've often talked about America's fifty different countries within one country. It's all it all operates differently. All federal state. There's all differences. It's great seeing fans back in in some, some grounds, yeah. and I think that's made a huge difference. I think this is this is oversensitivity in ball baggery. And when it comes to the ball bag award, uh, I've got a great name that will be thrown in there, also from the great state, Republic of California. I think, as well, it's one of those things whereby I, I understand it to a point, but I think you do also have to try and be like, okay, professional sports are getting a exemption and this is why professional sports get an exemption I do think though again going back to how the NFL planned for this it was very naive and very going in you know very much blind hands out just trying to see what you can grab to go into this without having if you had space for additional bye weeks that you could have put in you know you could have the 49ers having one game in this period that was an away game you could have had, you know, some form of bubble system, which from the start I said, the NFL can't do a 30-team bubble in a city. It's just not possible based on numbers. What the NFL could have done was four 18 bubbles. And you could have had everyone play seven times. Everyone gets a bonus game in amongst that. The the two best teams from each bubble go to a playoff bubble. Um, and apparently they are considering a playoff bubble, which is good because if we get into the playoffs and this stuff starts to happen, if we get, you know, a playoff game that winds up being delayed by six days, if we get a playoff game where we're down and a team don't have a quarterback, it's just silly. It's just, it's not the, it's not the product the NFL wants to put on the field. Um, and I think in trying to forge ahead with stuff, they've kind of boxed themselves into a bit of a corner. Yeah. And it's, I wonder whether we're going to see this in the postseason, but the, the, the challenge with a bubble in the postseason is if they don't get on top of it quickly, they're not going to have the time to do it. Uh, and I guess this is only become more difficult as there is the reintroduction of fans to stadiums. But then it knackers certain teams over others as well. And the teams that it knackers, it knackers the Saints because we've seen, you know, how, um, how loud and influential that crowd is. It knackers the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit. Let's be honest, it's not really the crowd in Kansas City that's dominant. Uh, it's Patrick Mahomes. But uh, it does do- uh, impact them. It massively impacts Seattle. And teams having to go out to Seattle. Now, Seattle probably going to go in and win this division, so should get a home game in the wild card. Actually, that home game advantage is slightly nullified by the fact that there's not going to be anybody there. And Seattle, that I mean, the whole of the West Coast of America is much more cautious than areas of the East and certainly in some of the northern states. So it's, uh, well, and, and certainly Florida, where it's just, yeah, martial law. Um, but, yeah, you yeah, know, it's... Florida have got Florida have got fans in the stadium. Florida's rates aren't as bad as other places as well. And it, it's different countries, different rules. Now, to talk about the, the playoffs... You could be looking that the teams could be vaccinated by then. Yes. And, and your, your problem goes away. Um, you know, we, we've had the news here in the UK today that the vaccine has been approved. Uh, Operation Warp Speed or whatever the hell they're calling it over there um, is, is going to go ahead. Now, you're going to have the usual noise about people who don't trust government, people who don't trust vaccines. We'll save that for the, the you know, scatterbrain. <laughs> Uh, podcast because you know we could be here all day talking about things like that but i think the nfl could have got lucky they, you know if the nfl wish they will be able to purchase the vaccine get every player done and that will then protect their product they've got the money the strength and the political clout to do that and i think possibly um that's where they've been looking all along they wanted to try and muddle through to that point uh they'll be getting information ahead of time that we don't have and i think they may have seen that you know 
January there was going to be a vaccine and they could go from there. But I don't think it mitigates their handling of the Ravens game or of the Broncos game. You know I mean, that, that's just hitting hope stuff, which is not good enough. So moving on then, let's have a look back at the Thanksgiving games. First of all, let's chat about the fact that we had our live event, our first ever watch along, where we had a number of people joining us throughout the evening. It was a lot of fun. I thought it was good chat with a a wide range of people that normally we don't get to speak to, people that listen to this podcast, and it's great to get them involved. So first of all, I want to thank you two guys for being part of it and seeing it all the way through. Let's be honest, there's the silver lining for that uh, Bengal Steelers game getting pushed back. It means that we got to our beds by one o'clock. But, um, you know, I think it was really good fun, and I want to thank everybody that came along, and I hope everyone enjoyed it. Yeah, I had a great time. I thought it was really fabulous. You know, it was just good to sit and chat and just, you know, just chew the fat and talk about various bits and pieces. No, I thought I thought it was great. It was really nice just to, to meet people. We've, you know, we've met some of these folks before. Uh, I thank them all for coming along. And it was it was just, it was actually a very different way to watch football, but quite an enjoyable one. Yeah, I mean, it, it was very different, the fact that we all had to try and calibrate our TVs to the fact that Paul was watching eight minutes delayed on Game Pass downstairs. Yeah, but, but it all worked. We got there. It did. You know, it I mean, did. Modern, modern technology being all that it is. <laughs> this is the joy of watch alongs, eh? Making sure everyone's streams are at the same time. Right, you pause. Now you pause. Um, my clock says this. My clock says that. And then, oh, there's a touchdown. Brilliant. You see someone celebrating <laughs> a good 30 seconds before. Um... But no, it was a lot of fun. And let's just take this opportunity to talk about the upcoming event. We had to move the the event that we had planned for the Sunday on Thanksgiving. A couple of people, unfortunately, had to pull out last minute and we wanted to put on as good a show as we possibly could. So we made that decision to move it back. There's still tickets available. We hope you can join us. Really excited to have a couple of guys from the Terrace coming along. Guys that have, uh, you know, one of the biggest podcasts in Scotland. Certainly, I would say the best when it comes to Scottish football podcast. Absolutely hands down. So much so they got their own TV show. So we're allowed to look up to them a little bit on that one. So a little bit green with envy. The NFL Scotland live TV show to come as soon as we can find someone that will uh, broadcast it for us. Um, we have tried. We have tried, we have to tried. be fair. We have yeah. tried. And, no. and we're not going to stop trying. This year was not the best year to do it, or, you know, the year ahead, this year ahead. But no, we, we've still got plans. We, we plan to storm BBC Scotland when we can. <laughs> Um, but yeah so if you want to come and join us that would be great we're going to chat football we're going to chat with them about some of the highlights so far we're going to talk about our um, you know players of the season some of the plays of the season lots of good stuff Uh, we're going to have raffles we're going to have competitions so make sure that you come along and join us on the day we're really looking forward to that it all starts at half past four so we'll be kicking that off a bit of preamble before we get into the games for week 13 and there's some crackers coming up there but let's look back at week 12 Um, Texans decimated the Lions and Matt Patricia uh, out. We saw it coming. Um, Mr. Quinn's gone with him. I think there's a complete clear out in Detroit, but based on what we saw on Thursday night, I mean, it's the very least they need to do, isn't it? It was really horrible and it's been coming for a while and we're, we now live in a time where, you know, you, normally Matt Patricia would have been given the season then handed his P45 out the door. It's just not happening. I mean, they're 4-7. But they never looked likely against the Texans. So, yeah, out the door. Simple as that. Gordon, the next game up after that was the Washington football team against the Cowboys. This was an absolute... I mean, if that first one was a doing, this was another level. The the NFC East just continues to produce baffling results. And it goes from one week, I'm like, oh, do you know, someone might get to seven wins in this division. To the point where I start to think, his five wins going to be? I, I, and, I, and I, I hope for chaos so much. There is nothing I want more than Sunday night football to flex. And I've not looked at the schedule, but there will be two divisional games in the NFC um, in the final game. And I don't think they'll be able to flex it because all, all teams, I think, are going to be in the run to win the division in the final week at the truth. But how beautiful would it be to have the two teams tied at the top in the NFC East on Sunday night football at 1am over here, whatever time it kicks off. And the winner hosts a playoff game at 5-11 and 11, or 5-10-1 and 1 if you're the Eagles. And the loser at 4-12 and 12 picks in the top five of the draft. There, there's a case to be made that 
win in that game, if you are, especially if you're the Eagles, especially if you're the the Cowboys who, you know, are already down their starting quarterback this year, it's really not that advantageous to you. Just take the top five pick in the draft, get your quarterback back next year. If you're the Eagles, take the top five pick and maybe think about drafting a quarterback. You know, if you're the if you're the Giants, maybe you trust that Daniel Jones can go on a little run for you. But I, I mean, is is winning and going to the playoffs and losing to whoever the good wild card team is that are significantly better than you worth a, a drop in twenty places in the draft? I don't think so. Well, it's no. interesting because it depends what's in the coach's contract. If the coach's contract says he gets a million dollars if his team makes the playoffs, <laughs> they're going for it. And if the players' contracts are structured similarly, that you know, there's a bonus for winning the division, there's a bonus for going to the playoffs, they're going to they're going to go for it. Now, I think this is a classic case of it's one office against team. We won't agree with each other. It's as simple as that. The players will try like heck if it means reward for them. So, I, I, I get your point, but. I genuinely think player power will win out and that they will go for it. Well, let's just very quickly, very quickly, I'm going to scan through this. Let's look at the rest of the schedule because you're right. that It's two divisional games on week 17. They're both of them kicking off at 6 p.m. UK time. Um, so in the early window, it would. What I would love to see them flex out both games to Sunday night football and Sunday night football do this dual broadcast between the two games. Simulcast. Absolutely. I, chaos. Absolutely. I think it would be magnificent. It, it's, it's compulsive viewing because of its terribleness. But let's look at week All 13. for that. Let's All look at week that. 13. Right? Week 13, the Giants are playing the Seahawks. That's not unrealistic loss. to see a Giants loss, right? <laughs> Eagles are playing the Packers. Loss. Washington are playing the Steelers. Loss. And the Cowboys are playing the Ravens. Uh, I mean, probably lost. Depends if the Ravens don't get you know a player. That's right. You're a Ravens fan, and you're scared back. to say it. That's a loss, right? The the Cowboys stink. So I mean, even even with RG three, that should be a Cowboys loss. So we move then into week fourteen, right? So then let's. I'm trying to scan this with my eyes. So I apologise if I'm dwindling. Right, the Giants play the Cardinals. The Cowboys play the Bengals, which possibly a win for the Cowboys in should that be one. a win. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which only brings them level with what the Giants and the Washington football team are on at that point. Eagles play the Saints, and Washington play the 49ers, which is a winnable game, um, just depending on where we're doing with our injuries. But, I mean, I never saw that win over LA coming, I'll be perfectly honest. So it's not an easy game for Washington, um, but that's an interesting one. So week 15, then you're looking at, you've got Washington playing the Seahawks. You've got the Giants playing the Browns. You've got the Eagles playing the Cardinals. And then you've got the Cowboys against the 49ers. So San Francisco is going to have some part to play in this outcome. And the Seahawks are as well. Um, into week 16, you're looking at Giants at the Ravens. Um, you've got Washington are playing the Panthers. You've got Eagles-Cowboys at that point. So there's a divisional game there. And then week 17's obviously the, the cross divisions. You've got Eagles, Washington, and Giants, Cowboys. So, yeah, I, whoever wins this, I think, is going on a 6 and six and 10 record. At best, it's going to be 7 and 9. At absolute best. Uh, I don't want 7 and 9. I, no. I, want, I just want the absolute nonsense of <laughs> 5 or 6 wins hosting a playoff game. Because it it's it verges on shithousery at that point, and I'm I'm entirely here for it. But I, I love the divisional system. If the division's crap, then that's fine. That that's yep. how it works. I, I don't think they should change it. I, I just nope. when it when it gets this stage, just give me the most chaotic way possible for it to happen. So I believe we'll, from a we'll very quick for, scan, sorry on you go. Sorry, Cameron. What we'll look at for next week is, and I'll, I'll probably try and do the thing. It'll be the number of wins out with division, because I think of all those games you rattled off. One, possibly two, you think the NFC East might win? I mean, the majority of those wins by whoever wins it is going to come from the divisional, you know, their own games within their division, which, you know, they both can't lose. They can get a tie, but they both can't lose. But you don't look at any of those teams and think, yeah, I mean, yeah, Cowboys, Bengals, but you think, mm, yeah, then again, you know, it's, it, it's a strange one. Yeah, you never know. I mean, I believe mathematically the worst is a 5 and 11. Like, uh, 5 and 11 is possible for a team to win this division on 5 and 11. That, right now, is possible. Um, and it would be either Washington or the Giants. Um, because neither of them play each other. 
They're both on four at the moment, um, and that would involve the Giants winning one more game against the Cowboys in the last weekend. That would involve Washington beating the Eagles, and then it doesn't matter between who wins between the Cowboys and the Eagles if everyone loses every other game outside of the division. So, I mean, that is that 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 scenario ends with a in in theory a five and eleven, a five and eleven, a four eleven and one, and a four and twelve. <laughs> <laughs> which is just mental mental um yes let's love the uh, nfc east right let's move on though another team that got an absolute doing the oh, oh no I, sorry i need to put a, a pound in the swear jar the las vegas raiders against the falcons 43 6 that was an absolute doing that's the most atlanta have scored since week nine of 2016 the Raiders, I I had them down as a win. I think, in fact, the pick six, we all had the Raiders down as a win. We all got this one wrong. I put this game in because, to be honest, it felt like there was loads of one-sided ones. I didn't see this coming. But the, the Falcons destroyed them. Absolutely destroyed them. I don't even know what happened, really. And I watched a lot of the game. I think the Falcons are capable just with their offense. If it all clicks together, it can work. I just think... Everybody's had a bad week, and I think the Raiders have had their bad week. I'll always look to see what the bounce back is like. Um, you know, I mean, look at the Titans-Colts. The Colts thumped the Titans a few weeks ago, and then the Titans come in and thump the Colts. You know, and the Colts look really, really out of it. Uh, Tennessee have done well in, in that building in recent times. Uh, the Bills tried to lose to the Chargers, but couldn't quite manage it. The Vikings tried to lose to the Panthers. They couldn't quite manage it. I think we've got to give a bit of credit to Kirk Cousins. I mean, no timeouts, so he goes 70 yards. You know, that is impressive. He does get a kicking from a lot of people. But, you know, in that shell of Kirk Cousins, there is a quarterback somewhere, and I think he proved it. I thought the Cardinals were really disappointing. Uh, the Patriots, I mean, not only not to get the field goal, uh, but to, to give the field position up so easily, I thought was really disappointing. Uh, let's talk about the Chiefs' bucks. I just loved the way that the Bucks couldn't get back on the field. The Chiefs really saw that game out. That was clinical. That was another side for me uh, to Kansas City. That that game, and I've said before, if you're in the AFC, you should probably be terrified for the next decade. That game showed that in the NFL, you should probably be terrified for the next decade. It, it feels like we've gone from the Patriots dynasty, and it's almost like, it's almost like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and you've killed you've killed off the the really bad demon in one season, and then there's just an even worse one coming the next season. <laughs> we're gonna be stuck with this guy for the next decade, and the worst part is we're gonna have to enjoy watching it because he's just a joy to watch throw the football, Holmes. Some of the throws he made in that game, like they they eased off in that game. They were on a pace for him to break the single game passing record, which I think at some point he will do. Tyree Kill was on pace to break the single game receiving record, and. And the, the Bucks offense, the, there is this thing that we talked about at the start of the year with the Bucks that, you know, there was potential for Brady in that offense to have some miscommunication and some struggles. And it's not been to the level that Jameis Winston did. It's not been to the level that Carson Palmer did. It's not been to the level Andrew, Andrew Luck did in the Bruce Arians offense. But there is a little bit of that there. Um, and you've seen that now. There's been more and more discussions each week what's wrong with the Bucks' offense. They've got a lot of weapons. And I kind of feel there's a little bit of Bruce Arians trying to fit his system just over the top of what he has there. Whereas what he probably should be doing is just saying, do you know what? I've got one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Admittedly, he's taken a step back, but he's still, you know, he's still capable of doing some big things. I've got some fantastic weapons. When you, know, you can trot out Antonio Brown, Bob Ag as he may be in the slot, you know, as your number three wide receiver, you can't really you can't really have a have a thing whereby, you know, your system and your quarterback aren't playing well enough because the weapons are there. And they were clinic it was it was it was it was unreal to be perfectly honest. You know, we'd seen Derek Henry earlier in the day 
have an absolute game. And then Tyreek Hill came out in that and were just sensational. I think you're right. I think that there's a this is a a, a, a handing over of the baton for the the dynasty. I, I can totally see that being the case. Um, I think the only challenge is going to be where they face into their salary caps. But I still feel like Mahomes is good enough that he'll make whatever he's got work, certainly for, on an offensive side of things. Defense, slightly different conversation. But as long as they can put out something that's at least manageable, at least they can force the odd three and out and the odd turnover, Mahomes can do enough to just march them down the field and get the points on the board. It's, it is quite something. Um very impressive all round. Another quarterback, I still think Justin Herbert is going to be a, a, a very exciting quarterback. And actually, I think that it's got all the makings of being a really good division, that AFC West, for a number of years. However, they're going to need to sort the hell out of the playbook and the play calling because there's some absolute jobby calling going on out there. The... Um, the one in particular where he goes for the quarterback sneak and the whole offensive line steps back as if he's going to drop back. It's an absolute shambles. Now, I don't know who that was on. Maybe that was on Herbert. Maybe he changed the call and it wasn't communicated. I don't think so. But that whole thing's on the coach. That whole end of game sequence. Uh. You, you complete a Hail Mary. The wide receiver who catches it is off celebrating because he doesn't realise the clock's still running, which that's incredible. Yeah. You then line up, spike the ball. That You need two scores. The odds on you getting them are very slim. You need two scores. Spike the ball, get a shot at the end. Nope. Line up, run the ball. Okay, well, now you've just wasted another 30 seconds of time. <laughs> Throw the ball, and then finally line up for one final play that you now definitely can't win. Quarterback sneak with the offensive line dropping back to pass block. The single worst end-of-game sequence I've seen in a good while. And I, I really like Anthony Lynch as a... Anthony Lynch, is that his right name? Lynn. Anthony Lynn, yeah. Lynn, Lynn, Lynn there we go. Lynch, yeah. not Lynn. Um, I really like him as a positional coach, um, game-wise, game management-wise, clock management-wise. He's proven time and time again that he's just not there. Yeah, and I think he's someone who's going to end up on the hot seat because of that. The fact that he's got actually a really good team with a lot of talent on it, and they've currently got a worse rating than the Denver Broncos. Um, it, it speaks volumes, to be perfectly honest. Um, so there's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do out for the, re- the remainder of the season. But I genuinely... I'm excited about Justin Herbert, um, way more so than Tua, uh, and what we've seen of Tua. Now, find his early days and what have you. He came into the season injured, yada, yada, yada. Justin Herbert, for me, is the most exciting quarterback this year. Uh, Joe Burrow. Well, can, can I give you one more thing as well, Cameron? Okay. This is and another reason I think Anthony Lynn will get sacked. It wasn't Anthony Lynn that decided to play him. Yeah. Simple as that. It, it was, was the team was doctor. doctor. It was <laughs> the team doctor. Now, I, I say that because the story is out today that Tyrod Taylor is not filing a grievance uh, for the punctured lung. But So there was no great... I'm trying to remember... I think it was Brendan Rodgers gave Kieran Tierney his debut for Celtic, but it was only because he's a gear he was injured and somebody else was injured. You know, there was no great thought process. And we do see stars come through you know, to take their chance, but their talent isn't always obvious to everybody. You know, if Anthony Lynn had seen it in, you know, in camp and thought, you know, look, after a week or two, he's far too good to sit, that might have helped Anthony Lynn's cause, but it wasn't, and I think that's... They also, I mean, they were never realistically a, a strong threat for the playoffs this year with Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod was in there basically to be, you know, a, a mentor to uh, to Herbert, regardless of what they would say about it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just Her- Herbert's been really exciting. I think he looks like he has the highest ceiling, either him or Joe Burrow. The two are things really interesting because he hasn't looked that good. Um, he's looked more athletic than he did at Alabama, um, but he hasn't looked good enough that you can definitely guarantee that you're not still in the market for a franchise quarterback. And that's going to get really interesting because the Dolphins are probably going to have a pick in the top 10. And I wonder if we see an Arizona Cardinals type situation with them whereby they take another swing at quarterback because they've done a lot of smart things recently to set themselves up for the future. I think they're probably going to take another swing. Maybe it'll be a second round pick, but I don't think they'll come out of this draft um, all set on tour. Mm, Bold prediction. Interesting. I'm making a note of this one. Put some burgers on it later. Um, <laughs> maybe they'll go get Sam Darnold. Um, maybe not. The I have to touch on the Niners. Uh, Niners surprised me. I touched on this earlier. It was actually quite the performance. Uh, what a difference it makes when you've got some of your starting players back. 
Wow, Debo Samuel. Big, sexy Debo Samuel. Oh, second favourite receiver now after George Kittle in that San Francisco team. It was great to see him out there. Um, and actually, that was a... a a really good performance. And I tell you what, Kyle Shanahan's got the number over Sean McVay. The The Niners just seem to keep beating the Rams, which is magnificent. I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, sign me up uh, and keep it coming. The the fight for that final playoff spot in the NFC is really interesting. Um, I'm just looking at the standings just now. So Saints, Seahawks, Packers, Rams, Bucks, they're all making the playoffs. The Cardinals, I, I'm sorry, and some corpse from the NFC East, <laughs> number four. Uh, Hang on. I've got a burger bet to come on this. I've got a burger bet to come. Uh, I think I, I don't think I'm going to take the burger bet because I think I know where it's going to be. The, the seventh seed in the NFC, the new seventh seed this year, your options right now looking at this, save a late run from someone, are the 49ers at five and six, the Bears at five and six, who the bottom has fallen entirely out of them, so I doubt it's them. The Vikings are on a really good run just now with Kirk Cousins, or the Cardinals are starting to fall off the pace a little bit at six and five. All those teams are within a game of each other. You've then got the potential for the Lions, the Falcons, who I, I, I don't see you know going on some kind of run and getting back in there. But those those four teams, particularly the Cardinals, Vikings, and 49ers, fighting out for that last spot is potentially very interesting. It is, yeah, and I can't I believe we're in the conversation. Um, are the Falcons in that conversation? No. Maybe. No. I, I mean, that, no. What, what's their schedule look like? I'm going to need to look up the so, schedule. I, mean, I, I would say it's unlikely. Seven. It is unlikely, and I think they've got to play the Bucks twice. So possibly not. It's possibly too little too late. But, you know... Oh, sorry. I've just looked at this. So they play the Saints. Oh, right, uh, they okay. play the Chargers. That's winnable. They play the Buccaneers twice and they play the Chiefs. No, no. The Atlanta <laughs> Falcons are not. They're running for the final. Take it from the NAFC South guy. Yeah. No. <laughs> no we're, okay, we'll just edit that one out. Um, so my burger bet before I go on is that the NFC East winning team will absolutely make the divisional round and might make the championship game. If you make it the championship game, I'll take the bet. Oh, I'll take the divisional round. They're not winning a playoff game. I'd see, I think so. Um, highest rated back, um, so they could play the Rams. They, they, would, they would play. They would play the highest Rams uh, or the Bucks. Card. Rams or the yeah. Bucks is what I'm thinking there. And they could beat the Rams or the Bucks. You just all it takes is one little game. Daniel Jones with his big legs. Clearly, I've got the Giants winning this one. I'm going to have to go on a diet and get so many burgers off you. <laughs> Ridiculous. But I'll take that. Right, I'm taking. Okay, divisional game. I'll take. Sorry, uh, Gordon. Your your bid was good. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go for the championship game. This is this season's cost me a freaking fortune. Um, yes. Okay. But Niners very good overall. Jets stank the place up. Uh, anything else to cover? The Saints did what they needed to do. Oh, Packers destroyed the Bears. Oh, jeez. Matt Nagy's the next squeaky bum on a warm seat, I would imagine. Um, Spent a fifth, fourth round pick on Nick Foles and paid him a lot of money to come in and get dropped. Just <laughs> could, they could have picked up Andy Dalton, they could have picked up Cam Newton. No additional cost. Picked them up at low cost salary wise. Nope. Let's go get next neck falls and let's pay him a lot of money. Just a, a franchise ones, that have really struggled to get any have, semblance of the correct move at quarterback. Could have got James Winston. Should have kept them. Was Philadelphia? They should have kept Nick Foles. It worked there. I mean, it, it seriously did. Did you see some of the play calling in that Eagles Seattle game? It was shocking. <laughs> you know, just unbelievable stuff. I mean, Carson Wentz was not being set up for success. Uh, the going for it on fourth down was just bizarre. It was just some horrible, horrible things. It was a it was a strange game, and I'm still not I'm still confused as to how the Seahawks didn't crush them by an awful lot more. Right, I'm going to move on to our weekly awards now because I think that's where this is going. Uh, what we'll do is we'll go through all of the Belter nominations. Uh, we'll give our outcome and we'll we'll work through it like that. So, first of all, let's go to the tweet. So, Lauren Callahan, his Belter, Tyreek Hill, 269 yards, three touchdowns and a backflip against the Bucks. Ross Black, his Belter is Kendall Hinton for stepping up. Got to give him some respect. Sean Black's belter is the Falcons for absolutely trampling the Raiders. Chris Breen's belter is also held for having a monster week. 
Shawnee B gives it to Denver for scoring the same amount of points against the Saints as the Bucks, even though they didn't have a quarterback. Ross Sterling's belter is, of course, Tyreek Hill. Scorched the poor, poor Bucks secondary for 200 yards, for over 200 yards it was. Um, and Sorry, for 200 yards and two touchdowns in a single quarter, which is a very valid point. And it comes back to the point you were making about them easing off. Uh, Gavin Newlands, who is a Raiders fan, his belter is don't care. So I think we can guess what the rest of the context of his tweet's going to be. Uh, Andrew Neal, his belter is Tyreek Hill. And Stephen Lynn, uh, his belter is everyone involved in the Zoom call watch through for the Thanksgiving's game. So, yes, Stephen was on the call with us. So thanks for joining us, Stephen. And, yes, I agree. We are all shared belters. But, guys, is there anyone other than Tyreek Hill that gets the belter award this week? Yeah, you go for the... Chiefs in general, I think, are probably worth worth discussing for that. But I'm not going to argue with Tyree Kill. No, I, I think I think you're missing it. It's Jeremy Chin for the Panthers. Oh. Back-to-back fumble returns. Unbelievable. I think somebody said it was the first time it happened. Somebody said it was since 1946. I don't care. That's a long time. You've got to give him credit. Two fumbles on back-to-back offensive plays. He scoops and scores. I mean, Tyreek Hill was brilliant. The Chiefs were brilliant. I get all of that. But I love the things that so rarely happen. And Jeremy Chin, definitely for me. Yeah, I think that's a notable mention, absolutely. Um, the other one is Derek Henry needs to get a mention. This is Derek Henry season, isn't it? At the end of the year when everyone's tired. The big bowling ball comes through. No one can stop him anymore because nobody's got the puff. But um, I think that we've seen that before. I, uh, For me, it's Hill. I just think Hill's, Hill in the first quarter was just unreal. Absolutely unreal. Um, the backflip into the uh, end zone as well, I thought was a nice touch. Purely because I like to see the Bucks lose at the moment. Sorry, I've scrapped that. Purely because I like to see Brady lose at the moment. So, uh, you know, I, I think that was a little bit of sauce on the salt there. So, all for it. Right, um, on to Bowfin then. There's a few different nominations for this one. Bowfin, the fourth quarter in the Cowboys football game. Um, although thanks to those in the NFL Scotland Zoom for keeping my spirits up, says Lauren Callahan. At least we could do Lauren. It was miserable. Uh, Bowfin for Ross Black. Will Fuller's doctor. What a shocker he's had, allegedly. Uh, Shawnee B. Uh, Bowfin is the Chargers time management. Time for Lynn to go. Chris Breen is the Raiders for a truly shameful performance. Um, I have mixed my people up. I said that it was Shawnee B. It was Sean Black that said uh, Anthony Lynn for Bowfin because Shawnee B has said it's the Raiders, just the whole Raiders organization. Uh, Polly has Bowfin as the Raiders for not showing up, not showing up against the Falcons. Gavin Newlands, who is the Raiders fan? Bowfin, Raiders entire offense and coaching staff for play calls. So he has turned on his own there. Um, Bob Ag for Andrew Neal is the NFL for not cancelling the Steelers, Ravens. Um, oh, that's Bob Ag. I've jumped, jumped one. Bowfin is the Cowboys, sorry. Mainly for the fake punt. I forgot about the fake punt. I forgot oh, that about awful. that. Oh, oh. You're saying bad, bad play call in, in a, a end of a game for the Chargers. That's got to be the worst fake punt attempt I think I've ever seen. Like So... I'm gonna I'm gonna well actually this and I'm sorry for well actually in it because it's this this puts me probably worthy of being ball bag for well actually in this. <laughs> most most fake punts that you see aren't something that the NFL team on the sideline go, okay, we're gonna we're gonna run a fake punt here. It's something that and this is why it happens when teams are up by like 40 points as well, quite a lot, and people get annoyed. Um, it's something that you've seen on film and you say, if we go out doesn't matter where we are on the field and they give us this lineup we know they're leaving someone free and on that play they just executed really badly like there was actually space but the one the the um the guy on the edge for uh the football team i think it was like adjusted himself you know get, got himself back there and position was really good but those things are always done based on what you see but normally there's like a kind of kill it if it's like fourth and 14 and you're well in your own territory that's the <laughs> that's where it maybe gets the point that it should have never happened <laughs> so paul let's start with you who gets your both in this week okay i watched the entire eagle seahawks game and i listened to the monday night football crew now one thing that i'm good so i'm going to give it to them okay because i don't know about you but i don't like being talked down to by people on television so things like Steve Levy was talking about, there was one particular play, they talked about intentional grounding and how the, the referees communicated with each other. 
And he came out with a line that I don't think the people at home really understand how the referees communicate with each other. Now, I'm sorry, there might be 5 or 10% of people who don't, but there's a lot of smart people who watch football. So I, I just found that absolutely boffin. So I'm, just, I'm going to stay with this for a minute. Um, fly, fly, Seahawks, fly. Uh, I'm sure some people might have found Bowfin, but I actually thought it was a decent line. However, red rag to bull, Steve Levy used the line as professional broadcaster, Monday Night Football, you can't make this up because the scoreline was 17-9 in the last two games and, and you know, finished 17-9. If we can make up all sorts of things, you know, Star Wars is made up, that might come as a surprise to people. Um, so we, we can make things up. We do have imagination. Broadcasters, for goodness sake, stop saying that people couldn't make things up because they can make anything up. The other thing that, that was slightly uncomfortable was Brian Greasy, who came out with a great line. It's, it might be an obvious one, that you can't coach speed, which is very true. Great line. However, Four times in the same sentence, he used the phrase man-to-man beater. Now, I'm sorry, once was fine. The second time may have been okay, but he genuinely, in one sentence, used four times man-to-man beater and man-beater in the same sentence. Somebody's got to sort them out. They're not as bad as the previous lot, but pretty bouffing. At least the previous previous lot gave you like a little bit of banter for being like... Comically bad. But Booger McFarlane was actually pretty funny. Well, a lot of the stuff he did. <laughs> this this group, I, I'm just not a fan of. I don't think they add an awful lot to it. Is Man Beater yeah. not a song by Nelly Furtado? I don't know. Uh, Man to Man Parish came to mind, but not Man to Man Beater. Surely um, Nelly so Furtado's in your um, 2020 rap, Gordon, on your Spotify. Nope, uh, that's just Taylor Swift. Just Taylor Swift, right, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> um... <laughs> um I've totally distracted myself. Okay, uh, who's your bowfin for, Gordon? Uh, it's the Anthony Lynn Chargers debacle at the end of that game. Awful. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, for me, I'm going to give it to the Raiders because I've apologised for my comment of them being bereft of talent. Um, but do you know what? That's the first time this season they looked like they were. Um, they were pretty stinky. And I had so high expectations. Uh, we all did. We all thought they were going to win. It's the Falcons. Nobody likes people who smirk. Come on, <laughs> stop it. I like a smirk. Right. Uh, so I have unfortunately just clicked off the tweet. So let me go back to this. And we'll go through our Bob Ag nominations. Um I've already shared with you both what I'm going to be giving mine to. But we'll come to that in a minute. Bob Ag for Lorne, Denver Broncos for their poor COVID-19 regs, which mean no quarterbacks could play. Oh, um, incidentally, Gordon, you're going to get triggered a few times during this. Ross Black, Bob Ag. Ravens, yeah, Denver lost their QBs to COVID, but they aren't half as annoying as the Ravens. Get them in the bin this week. <laughs> now hold your thoughts. We'll come back to you. He's muted himself. <laughs> uh, Sean Black, Ball bags to the Denver QB group. Uh, Chris Breen, ball bags to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Shawnee B, ball bags to the Denver Broncos quarterbacks. There's a theme here. Polly, our resident Buccaneers fan. Ball bag, whoever on the Bucks coaching team decided Carlton Davis should go one-on-one on Tyreek Hill. Fair play to Carlton for picking up his game after the first quarter. Or was it because Tyreek Hill wasn't trying as hard? You can tell us, Polly. Uh, Gavin Newlands, our Raiders fan. Bob Ags, I refer you to the answer above. <laughs> it was the Raiders' entire <laughs> offense and coaching team that were bowing. Ruined my weekend. If that doesn't count, Tom Brady, just cause. Yeah, I'll back a Tom Brady Bob Ag award. Um, Andrew Neal, Bob Ag is the NFL for not cancelling Steelers-Ravens. The longer they leave it, the more teams impacted. Could have moved it to a week 18 and only play it if it mattered. Actually, that's a really valid point as well, because at that point you could have made the decision, do you know what, this game's not really relevant, let's not bother. Uh, Stephen Lynn Bowfin is the Eagles, who are no longer flying like their namesakes. I'm going to kick this one off, and then I'll give you your chance to moan back, Gordon. But Bobak for me is DK Metcalf, because... Right, and I'm going to articulate this. I tried to tweet this out in the WhatsApp group chat. Seattle have this chip on the shoulder thing, right? I get it. It's it's what they do, right? It's Pete Carroll 101. How do you make a player play better? Put a chip on his shoulder, right? Alex Ferguson did a very similar thing with Aberdeen. They put a chip on their shoulder about the Glasgow press. Everybody hates you. Everyone thinks you're terrible. Use that against them. I totally get it. 
when a coach who coached the best wide receiver in the last 20 years comes to you before the game and says, do you know what? You're the closest thing I've seen to that player. You're not quite at him yet, but you know what? You are absolutely in that ballpark. And that player takes offense at that ball bag. Do you know what, mate? You're in your second year. You've got a damn lot to prove yet. Couple of good games when you've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league that's off the hook and allowed to throw at you all the bloody time. Do you know what? Yeah, your numbers are going to look great. You are a talent. You are a great player. You are really fast too. Did you know that? But do you know what? When a coach who's coached in the NFL for a long time comes and pays you a compliment by comparing you to someone who is better than you, don't take it as an insult and don't call out the coach on that. Ball bag behavior, no, not having it. The chip on the shoulder is great. But do you know what? You need to keep a little bit of your shoulder, son, because when you need something to cry on, you hope that some of your teammates have got something there because when you're losing the playoffs, you're going to need a shoulder to cry on. Anyway. Never never make Cameron angry. That's the the secret to life. Right. I I went a bit off there. I have three counterpoints to DK Metcalf being a ball bag. Oh, he's a ball bag. He's quality, right? He's a talent, but he's still a ball bag. So, number one, he actually has better numbers than Calvin Johnson did at this point in his career after the same number of games. He's got a better quarterback. That's I'm not having that. Go and have a look at the quarterbacks that were thrown to Calvin Johnson in the sure, start of his career. But I'm just I'm just saying there is a counterpoint. Yeah. Counterpoint number two, when someone tweeted out that Schwartz had said this, DK Metcalf quote tweeted it with the Michael Jordan and that was personal to me meme from the last dance. That immediately reverses any opportunity for you to be a ball bag because it's a phenomenal tweet. Number three in the counterpoint, Cameron, you just don't like him because he plays for the Seahawks and had that play that everyone loved chasing down the, the interception. Um, I, I've got... The, Terry McLaurin did a very good job of chasing down the, the Cowboy one. The, the, yeah. last and everyone minute. got excited about that as well. And, and it was done, but no point did anyone call it play of the season because it's not Anyway, um, I just thought, I don't know, I I just think there seems to be this thing, and it's actually not just DK Metcalf, there's a couple of players in the NFL seem to hate being compared to other people. And it's just like... It's it's an athlete thing. Athletes are (sighs) psychopaths in a lot of different ways. Like, really great athletes, if you look at the mentality of a lot of them, they're weird. The Michael Jordan Last Dance documentary, you know, he comes across as an incredible athlete in that. And as someone who... someone would drink water out of the wrong side of the bottle in pregame and he would take massive offence to this and decide he had to destroy. There was a story in that whereby everyone's like, oh yeah, there was this story that this player came up to you and you know he said this and he kind of implied that you weren't actually that good. And then gets to the bottom of the story and he hasn't said it at all. Michael Jordan just in his head decided that this is what this is the tone this guy had used when he'd said this. So he, he underrates me and I now have to prove him wrong. And, but... Yeah, and I get. I still think there's a difference between someone. No, no, no. Hang on, I'll I'll be I'll be the judge of this now. I I think you both make valid points here, and I think your your counterpoint about the quarterback is is absolutely fine. So I think we've got to do the only sensible thing, and look at the hairstyle. Does he have purple hair? He's green hair. Green hair. Well, I'm colorblind. I thought it was purple ball bag. Okay, Cameron wins. I don't even mind the hair. I've not got an issue with the hair or the weird George Michael jewellery that he wears. It's nothing to do with That's fine. That's personal choice. I just, I don't know. I, if, if you're in sports, you're going to be compared to other sportsmen, right? It's just part of how it goes. That's it. Oh, the greatest wide receiver. Oh, God, wasn't that such and such player? And if you're going to go around and take offence to that, it's just, uh, it's a narrative that I've just not got any time for. Be better than that, man. Take the compliment. Take the fact that you're being compared to as one of the best of the last 20 years. As, do you know what? Come out and say, do you know what? He said that to me, and it made me determined that I'm going to show him that I'm better than that. That's the way to spin that. No, oh, it took great offence at that. Um, it's just, oh, I just find that pathetic. And it's the chip on the shoulder stuff out of Seattle I just don't like. I don't like it. Nah, not for me. Right. Let me. I'll move on. So, I was I was expecting my ball bag to be. Is it me again? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I did think it was a possibility. Uh, I was expecting it to be all the people who said the Ravens as ball bags, because I expected that, and I think it's very predictable. I mean, that would have been bad enough. The Broncos, come on, they had 
three guys. So what what allegedly is what's happened is they've gone in for like a little film study session. When they've been eating and when they've been talking, they've pulled their masks down. They've not had their tracking bracelets on. Then when they got asked about it, they lied about it. Now, okay, naivety maybe. This is the same profession and same sport whereby NFL players get a concussion and for years they were allowed to basically self-evaluate whether or not they could go back into the game. Athletes are always going to do every little thing they can to do extra and be around things. The the ball bag in the situation is absolutely the NFL's handling of the whole thing. Uh, just from not giving yourself the option to to properly have additional bye weeks in from the start, then deciding that you can have week 18 and for some reason this week and this weekend was not enough to move that for you. It's just a huge, huge error of judgment for me. Yeah, yeah that sounds fair. Yeah. That sounds pretty fair. Do you want my one? Go for it. Okay, so I'm going with Sam Ricardo, London Breed, and Governor Newsom. <laughs> so three California politicians <laughs> who basically urged people not to gather for Thanksgiving and then broke their own rules. This is not so, the politics podcast. No, no, no. no <laughs> this is California, and this affects your team. So this dickhead, Mayor Sam Licardo, who is the, the mayor of San Jose, basically comes out and issues an apology, you know, saying it was a lack of judgment, I should never have done it. Bollocks, you got caught. That's the only reason you're apologising. So... The ball bag goes to these people because they have influence over professional sport, and that's why San Francisco are getting kicked out over to Arizona. This is unbelievable ball baggery. If you make the rules, stand by the rules, or let people get on with it. Um, this, this, honestly, it's intolerable that these people are allowed to do these things because they're affecting the lives of so many people. There's a lot of people get affected by the fact that San Francisco have to move. There is risk in traveling. So, you know, there's risk in moving all the equipment, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a great deal goes into this. Now, if you want to follow your own rules, that's fine. But when you break them, that's intolerable. And a bit like what Gordon was saying about the NFL, you've got to man up in these things, or what, if I'm allowed to say that anymore, who knows? Uh, you've got to be able to implement things properly. And I just think that is, is beyond belief what Gordon said and what these people in California have done. They're just affecting people, and it's wrong. Step. I, mean, I, I obviously I would not go. I would not go to that to that level with it. But I I also don't think that they should have kicked the Forty ers out of California. I think that decision is. So so that decision I think goes back actually to the thing you talked about with America being a place which is separate countries effectively because of all the different rules the the situation in california and the decision in california is taking people from california it's putting them to arizona where actually i think the case rates are even higher so you're actually creating additional risk just so that it doesn't happen in california so i think you know cooler heads should have probably prevailed in that sense yeah if you look at the states around them uh, the, to the north the oregon fine is 31.8 cases per 100k in the last seven days. California's 35.9, which is about the same as Florida. Um, And, you know, exactly that. So you look at Nevada, 74.3, Arizona's at 60.3. It's, yeah, the numbers, find the total cases in California, uh, the overall number's higher, but obviously the population's massive. It's by far the biggest state in, in the US. So there's definitely, yes, it's overly cautious. And I think that, it kind of undermines, it's an interesting one on how the relationship will go with the NFL because it kind of undermines the work that the NFL have done to 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 enforce this ruling and enforce the control there as well. So uh, you're you're right though, I think even it's, it goes beyond 50 different countries because you've got different counties within there as well. And they all do things a little bit different and amongst themselves as well. Um, it's uh, Absolutely. But you cannot make the rules about Thanksgiving and then break them and then uh, expect people to accept your apology. Yeah. Well, I we've mean, seen it in we've seen it in the UK, and you've seen it with uh, Dominic uh, Cummings exactly. and stuff yeah, like that. It, uh, it applies all across the board. You know, we've we've got to be fair to people. You've got a lot of people in that Forty ers organization who are working really hard to follow the protocols, to make sure that they're following the rules, to make sure people are being safe, and now they're being kicked out to another state. That's insane. Yeah. Um. So yes, there you go. Bunch of ball bags. Bunch of ball bags as ever. Okay, uh, before we wrap up, uh, just a quick update on the Bonnie Sauce 
Pick'em League because things are getting tasty there. Let me tell you. Going to give a shout out to Ned Dog 2001 who has scored 13 out of uh, 15 so far this week and has rocketed up the league, currently sitting in tied 7th at the moment. But Alex McNiven and David Pearson are with Buddy Brilliant at the top. Alex McNiven going up one place and joining. So there's three people tied at the top on 122. You've got South FL Bull, Jambo Jap and Aberdeen Goose all in tied fourth of the 121. You've got Ned Dog 2001, Keep Having Commit Dreams, both tied seventh with 120. Then you've got me and Extra Point is Good in tied ninth with 119. You've got Lady Hells Bells 11, Winning You'll Get Whiskey, and Keel Before Zod, all on 118 and tied 11th. And then nobody else after that matters. It's pretty much how I'm seeing things. I want 117 year ball back. You're too behind Come me. On. Too behind me. <laughs> <laughs> <Come on. laughs> I can imagine you both of you. Yeah, can I offer, if, if people are looking for a little bit of light entertainment, if you've not seen it, and the only reason I saw it because I watched the, the American feed for the, the Seahawks game, if you've not seen the Nissan advert, which features Tim Tebow and Kyler Murray, it is utter genius. So that is well worth watching. It's basically showing Kyler Murray's telepathic powers. Now, he's not a great actor. I'll give him that. But it's a beautifully written uh, advert. So check that out if you can. Tim Tebow and Kyler Murray for Nissan. Brilliant. Right, well, that is the full-time whistle for episode 126 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Make sure that you share your thoughts on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter and search on Facebook for NFL Scotland. Lots of great games coming up in the week ahead, plus games including Dallas, Eagles, etc., etc. You, you know where I'm going with that, so I won't finish it. Thank you for listening to the NFL Scotland podcast. Check out the NFL Scotland website. So many good articles on there. Our thanks to Gordon McGuinness for joining us this evening. We wish him well ahead of the Ravens playing the Steelers. And until next week, enjoy your football. Bye for now.